I'm curious to know as as an artist, like how frustrating is it frustrating for you knowing that so many people thought the production piece was going to end up looking like the custom, but this entire time you knew there were sculpted elements and it was going to be even better, but you weren't able to tell them that? Igor, I like that you fact-checked him. We all get a million <laughs> points. <laughs> oh, I'm a freaking idiot. Okay, so like the whole just sign it thing, Gary, no. That's just... I just feel like that's just kind of, eh, like, underwhelming. Hey, toy family. Welcome to the Marsham Toy Hour, where we, where we discuss anything and everything <laughs> designer toys. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. And I can't talk tonight, Teresa. I, I know you can't. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. Just you and I. I know George wanted to be on, but work's coming first, so... Yeah, but you hear that, Teresa? I think that's the sound of people tuning out. <laughs> but no, seriously, like, do not turn off your your radios or your podcast apps or radios. anything like that. We do we, we do have something planned. We got a very special guest with us tonight. And so, chatting with us all the way from Brazil is an amazing and well-renowned customizer, as well as a designer in the most recent multi-artist Dunny series entitled The Wild Ones, which is set to drop this Friday, February 9th. So let's welcome Igor Smoli Migliano Ventura. <laughs> yeah, nice. you got it right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. You know, I, I hate that George and Teresa make me do all these hard names. Introductions. Introductions. <laughs> I'm so proud of you for doing his full name. Oh, you're doing it next time, Teresa, for sure. You can no longer hide behind being a co-host. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining, uh, Igor. I know it's it's very late for you where you are. You're in Brazil, so you're five hours ahead of me. So, it's a little past 11 p.m., so I appreciate you taking the time and, and doing this with us. Yeah, no problem. My pleasure. Are you familiar with the show at all? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. Well, I thought tonight we would just trash the entire industry since you're on. You up for it? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Let's do it? All right. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe we should dial we it back a little bit. We love the community. Bit. No trashing. We are, we are going to be the positive, uplifting voice in the scene, Gary. <laughs> you certainly are. Yeah. You are a glowing, beaming light of positivity. <laughs> I try. <laughs> George, uh, not so much. And I'm, I sort of ride uh, the fine line in the middle somewhere. Depends how, I, okay, how, so, how I'm feeling that day. Well, then you just don't talk this episode and I will. So we keep it all hippity dippity positive. Okay. I'm handing the mic over to you. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you, you keep the range, Gary. I'm, I'm over here co-piloting. You do your thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, enough banter. Let's get back to our guests. So, Igor, so yeah. you are part of the upcoming multi-artist dining series called The Wild Ones, but this isn't your first time at the dining rodeo. This is, I think, your second time. Your first time was what in the Art of War series? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. The Geek Force. Uh, Geek Force design I created. Yeah. And that was several years ago, though, right? Art of War was 2013, maybe before that. I feel like it was a long time ago. It was, yeah, I think it was 2013 because I think Sergio had uh, his first production piece in 2011. And then the two following years, Luis and Sergio and I had all three of us pieces on the Art of War. So I think it was 12, 13. 
Okay, so you're talking about Sergio Mancini, one of your, um, one of the artists in the Red Matuka collective that I also want to talk about. I want to talk about Red Matuka. It's anyone who's yeah. not familiar. It's a it's a collective of artists and designers throughout the world. World, correct? Yeah, a little club of toy friends. Right. Okay, that's how I thought it was. Just mainly a bunch of toy friends, customizers, illustrators, but you all have a share a common passion for toys. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So wait, um, I want to make sure I'm I'm familiar with Art of War, but which one was your specific piece? It was like a nerd with a lightsaber. Oh, yes, I remember that one. That was great. That was one of my favorites. Okay, cool. I was like, I, I, the name wasn't ringing a bell for me, so I needed to paint a little picture. I remember exactly. Yeah, because the Geek Force name was on the back of the head, so maybe people is not so familiar with it. Cool. I gotta say, you mentioned Sergio Mancini and that guy. What a piece of what a jerk that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not. He's one of the sweetest, nicest guys around. But he and I entered a Money World contest together. And for anyone who's not familiar with the Money World contest, is that's it's a it was a big yearly contest, and you would use any platform in the in the Money World, and the customizer who won essentially best in show would then get their design in the next multi artist study series. And Sergio won that year. I took <laughs> second place. Oh man. So which one was his that won? He, he won with the, the blueprint uh, money. Yeah. Uh, and then the next year, Kid Robot made the blueprint money. Yep. Oh, okay. Man, Gary. I know. <laughs> then I had to wait like like five more years to finally get one. Yeah. I got one. I'm happy. Yeah. I have to say, I do think, I do think Kid Robot's doing a good job of pulling in more artists recently that haven't had production pieces and so um giving them more chances i mean like you got your first one gary and linda pan is newer spanky so lots of people and then also good repeat with you igor being able mm-hmm. to come back and get some more production pieces made yeah yeah for sure <laughs> i'm super glad <laughs> yeah i like to see that kid robots doing more multi-artist series versus the the individual artist series they were doing for a bit there i don't know it just hits more fan bases i guess um, but but Igor, why don't you tell us how you got started in the toy industry? Yeah, well, was like in I think 2007. Uh, I, I used to collect like action figures and Simpsons figures and toys, but I've never heard about designer toys before. And my girlfriend at the time, now it's my wife, she gave me like this little blind box. I think it was Christmas. I thought it was pretty strange because I never seen something like that. So I opened it didn't know what was inside, you know, like a blind box, you had to test your luck. And I got this weird toy, it was like a Dunny Series 3, and it was a design of like with a bird on the, the face and some trees behind it, and it was something completely different for me. But I got interested, and then I started to buy on eBay, and I met Sergio, I think, on the same year, and we started buying cases. And we got a, a lot of doubles on these cases, so we created an online store here in Brazil called Banana Suicida, like a suicidal banana, to sell these doubles. But we got a lot of them, so we started to think to ourselves, well, let's try to do something with these toys. But actually, the first custom that I did was on a key, because there was a, a blog here in Brazil that ran a contest, a custom contest, and Sergio and I entered it, but I've never done a custom before. So I, I designed it on Illustrator and they liked it, my design. It was like a slot machine. 
they gave a, a blank key to Sergio and to me and was like my first custom. And after that, I started to try a little more with the dunnies and monies and, and that was like the the beginning of the end. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole you go, huh? Leave the wife. That's cool though. Did you all, did either of you win the contest you entered? Yeah, I, I won the contest, but Sergio's design was so great that they decided to give him a blank as well. So both of us kind of won the contest. Cool. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so cool that it's just, you happen to get a gift and then from there, boom, you just spiral yeah, and see. Yeah, and it, it's kind of funny because I look at it, this particular design and I kind of made a upgraded version some years ago because like was my first custom, so I didn't know what I was doing. But, you know, it was like a cool concept at least. Now, you mentioned this is your yeah. first custom. I think I would describe you today as, as a customizer. I know a lot of artists, like even myself included, I would not consider myself a customizer like – I, I don't know, you know, I, I can do customs, but it's not something I do in my spare time. I only do them if I need to do it for a show or whatever, but it seems like you truly enjoy and have a passion for doing customization. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think so, because my full-time job is I am a motion designer at a video studio, so like customizing is like my second job. I only do it at night or my free time. But I really enjoy it. I, I don't need it to make a living, you know. I do it just because I really love to create something and do it for me or for clients, for people that enjoy my work. I don't have a boss to <laughs> to respond to. <laughs> no, I totally get that. So, Igor, what is the toy scene like in Brazil where you are? Is it is there much of a presence there or do you primarily get your information through toy blogs? I guess in the early days you probably would have got most of your information from like the Kid Robot forums. Yeah, uh, Sergio and I started collecting. We didn't know mostly anyone here that liked it. Uh, there was some some collectors and communities and Facebook and something. But we didn't know any customizers. And we met Luis and Rio that is part of Red Mutuka as well. And But was like the three of us. And when we started the Bananas We See the store, at that time, there was a lot of people that started collecting, not because of us, but I think it was like kind of the boom of the designer toy industry at the time, like, I don't know, eight years ago or something like that. And there were a lot of brick and mortars, uh, stores and everything. I don't know, maybe three years ago, all of them started closing and Bananas We See that we, we didn't get much sales in a lot of times so we decided to just close the store. So today it's... Igor, we were going to try to stay positive on this episode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> but so, just so you can yeah. get an idea, most of my clients are not from here. I have like one friend that really enjoys my work and he bought several of my cousins, like the first rocking horse dunny that I made and the eight inch rocking horse, a lot of other pieces. And he probably has, I don't know, maybe 10, almost 10 of my cousins. But other than him, there is another collector in Rio that I think has a pretty huge collection and one here like in Minas and other states, but it's not like a, a very big community. Yeah, but the, the fact that you yep. were able to start a store from your duplicates is pretty amazing. Like you must have buy, been buying a lot of dunnies and well, whatever other 
platform toys to get that many duplicates or like how were you able to accumulate that many duplicates to say hey let's open a store yeah well just so you can have an idea when Sergio had his uh Danny his first production Danny in the 2012 series we bought I think six or eight cases of Danny's because we really liked it and there was a lot of clients in our store so we had you know uh, a pretty decent demand for it but okay. then they started to decline a bit so okay. last couple of series we only bought like one case and or, or maybe two and then we got together and opened all blind boxes and then divided among us so I got like maybe a full set or except the really rare chases and Sergio the same and then we got this bunch of doubles some we kept for ourselves like the ones without too much sculpting that we could just uh, blank them and prime and use for customs but the ones with too much sculpting we had to do something you know because it was kind of hard to use for for a custom so okay so are you all having to buy overseas now since there's not a whole lot directly in brazil yeah i i'm trying to buy less and less because my collection is it's too too big. I, yeah. I had to rent a, a little storage unit to keep all, everything I have. I'm trying to waffle some of my pieces because yeah, I've just... seen you waffling lately. You're making some good waffles, some good stuff being put up there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember there was like a Black Friday sale at Kid Robot. It was crazy. There was like a seventy percent discount or something like that. And I remember I bought the goddess, the kid robot black, the goddess by those green. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome, but it's too big. I think it's like fourteen inches or something like that. And I kept it on the box since I bought it. I didn't have any anywhere to display it. So I thought to myself, well I'm keeping a an awesome toy on its box forever. So yeah. You know, it, it kind of hurts, but it, it better goes to somewhere or a collector that can display it, you know. So that's why I started to waffle some of my larger pieces. Uh, I used to have like two 20-inch dunnies that I bought because I liked it. I had a Skullhead and a Golden King by Tristan Eaton. But <laughs> I also sold them many years ago because they, they were kept on their boxes since I bought them. <laughs> Man, you got to break those babies out. <laughs> yeah, but I live on a very small apartment, so I have to choose if I'm yeah. staying or my toy is staying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you the kind of person who um, rotates your collection? Because, like, we've talked to a few people where I, I, I think it's kind of common nowadays for people to have too much just because of it's been years and years of this going on. But are, do you feel like you rotate so you've got stuff in storage so like throughout the year do you swap things out or you pretty much have certain things on display yeah it, it's kind of funny you're mentioning it because i had this thought this week <laughs> because most of my favorite pieces are always on display and the rest is on storage but i was thinking this week well maybe i can maybe swap some of the especially the large eight inch dunnies that i have i have like 10 of them on display so maybe i could like get some from the storage unit and Put some. Yeah. But yeah. The, the the only swap I make is at Christmas time. I put some of the more holiday pieces that I have. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like you kind of start looking at the same thing every time. So sometimes it's not. I think it's. 
I, I, I feel like I rotate probably more than others, but I like kind of changing things up so that different areas of my house look different every now and again. So I'm not yeah. getting stale looking at the same old thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Igor, so you're talking about Red Matuka earlier, something that you started with Sergio Mancini. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the Red Matuka Collective and exactly what it is and why you started it? Yeah, sure. We started because we wanted to meet people that like the same things as us. So the first guy that we invited was Luis Rio because he's from Brazil. So it was kind of easy to communicate and everything. But then we started to think that when you're a part of a group, when one of the guys grow or get some exposure, you go by the, by the name of Red Botuca and you like kind of sign it or co-sign it. Everyone benefits from it. So that was basically the idea that when one of the artists from the collective had like a production piece or took part of a show or something like that, he would sign his actual name, but also mention Red Mutuka and everyone else would, you know, benefit from it. So that was basically the idea. And then we started to check online and see what everyone was doing. And if the person was accessible, just invited. Well, this is what we're trying to do. And here I said, uh, we wish we could have more time to, you know, make projects together. But sometimes it's kind of hard to everyone's agenda to try to make a custom series, but not everyone will, you know, be available to. Yeah, I, I yeah, imagine well. it would be very cumbersome to try to manage uh, a multi-artist, you know, custom series like that. It's not only are you trying to manage a bunch of different artists, but artists all over the world with shipping times and, you know, full-time jobs and freelance jobs. And it would be difficult to manage something like that. But I think I have seen the ones that you have done. And I've also seen other custom series people have done from, you know, forums and stuff. Yeah. In fact, the, I think maybe eight years ago, the Kid Robot Forum was a lot busier with a lot of more people interacting. We met a lot of people there and we started uh, a custom series with only artists from the forums. It had nothing to do with Red Mutuka by that time. Red Mutuka actually was like only Sergio and Luis and I. And this series, the most wanted series, was something different. And then we started to, you know, grow our collective and invite more people. We made uh, two other of these most wanted series. But Red Mutuka only series was just one, one that was the Super Rich uh, series. I can't even remember when we made it. It was like only customs with uh, superhero theme with useless superpowers or something like that. It was okay. like the only custom series that we made as a collective. Okay, I remember all of the series, and um, they're all very cool, but those are also very theme-oriented. Um, Do you prefer working in a theme setting when you're designing for a custom series, or would you rather just be designing whatever you want, just make it something cool? Well, I don't mind. Either of them works for me. Sometimes a theme helps because at least you have, like, a starting point, and you can yeah. research, and, you know. But some of the guys, I, I feel they really prefer to have complete freedom because they have a particular style or a more abstract style so it's kind of hard but for me it doesn't matter i I think works either way okay so who all who all's in red matuka currently well there are 12 of us so it's sergio and luis and i from brazil 
Then there is Charles Rodriguez from Venezuela. There is Charles Koskis that Gary Han knows is from Mexico, as well as Matucha and Mitolti. There is also from Mexico. Then there is Green Ship from the States, Quicks from Philippines, Run DMB and Map Map from the UK, and Team Mons from Germany. Wow, that's quite a that's quite the that's team. Quite a stack. That, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. I, who manages this this collective? Is, I imagine you have to stay on top of everybody. I imagine it would be difficult to manage a collective because artists, I think, by nature, want to be. They're sort of introverted. Um, and that's not always the case, but a majority of artists, I feel like, prefer to work alone, kind of do their own thing, um, may not play well with others. So how, like, who's managing the collective on your end, and does everyone always get along, or do you ever bump heads? Is, is there any time that someone wants to break away and not be a part of a collective anymore? Mm, no, no. Everyone gets along pretty well everyone tries to we have like a secret group on facebook that we discuss ideas and projects and everything and you know everyone pretty pretty much encourages everyone and gives suggestions so it's pretty nice sometimes some of us have like well there is this particular project that i'm thinking about like a custom series or something everyone can give ideas you know there's like a a democracy, let's say. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I mean, the people you have involved is quite a stacked deck. It would be really <laughs> cool to see you all do something. So <laughs> yeah. I'm cheering you all on if you can coordinate it. I think that'd be sweet, but it's cool. Yeah, it, it's it, cool. it's kind of hard. We, we are trying to do a project together this year. I hope everything goes well, but it's kind of hard to coordinate everything. Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm sure. I, I just, you know, like some, you know, a lot of them, like, it's, like you said, it's a stacked team. I just imagine, you know, like a band, you know, a band does really great together, but eventually someone feels like, hey, I need to go on and do my own solo career. But I think in your collective, you can still have your solo career as well as being a part of oh, the yeah, collective. Definitely. When someone exactly. does, when someone does something on their own, though, do they, can they just be just on their own and do their own release or they have to run it through the collective first before saying no, no. it's a collective no, piece? Of course not. Okay. No, no. We, we, the collective, let's say, that is like, I don't know, a super band that members from other bands sometimes get together and releases something, but, you know, they can do their things on their own. Some of the guys are not so active these days, you know, like Sergio, for example, he... He's kind of low, and some others, like Quicks, for example, it's like rocking and doing a lot of releases and, you know, had like a production done last year. So everyone is free to do whatever they want, but it's okay. like when there is like a potential for something cool and if everyone is interested, then that's it. We yeah. Try to do it. I love the idea of having a group of artists and fellow comrades that you can just, like you, you said, you have a secret group that you can bounce ideas off of, um, just have feedback from and stuff. Because, you know, I find that's hard for myself. I don't always have that pool of people I can reach out to and show something to and just get some feedback. So I think that's really awesome that you have this pool of 12 guys. Where's where's the women in your group? Yeah, we She's need from ladies. Mexico. Yeah, Matusha ah. from Mexico. Oh, okay, there okay, we go. Good. Lady reps. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking the same thing, Gary. I feel like, as I got to believe for artists, it's, 
you know, even in, you know, my job, I know when I'm designing stuff, it's just good to have fresh eyes and get some other people's feedback. And I can imagine too, that you all can share tips and tricks. So it's got to be great. I also still like, I'm still attached on this idea of you all doing stuff, but how cool would it be? Like, oh, I don't know, like, it'd be cool if I you saw a series where it's like one of you all did the sculpt and the other did the paint or something like that, where it's kind of like, you know, you all take a piece and almost do different pieces of it from mm-hmm. or something. I don't know. Something like that could be really cool too, but yeah. Yeah. Tough to pull off. You got shipping fees back and forth and all that stuff. Yeah. That might be the problem, and especially in Brazil because customs here is like crazy. Actually, I have kind of funny story. Well, it's a sad story, but I had like <laughs> a, a, a little stone lion release by Peugeot Lab. It was like a lion. I don't know. It's called Leo's. Yes, and yeah, great series. They're for friends, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they sent me my samples, I think it was like last year, or maybe even before. My samples went to the States, I don't know why. Since they, was la- they were labeled as samples, they couldn't ship it to me, so they were returned to France, and I still don't have them. So, oh, that's terrible. There were, no. yeah, there were other times that I shipped a custom for a show in the UK, and when it was returned to me, I had to pay like, I don't know, $200 Holy as custom fees only to get something that I made. So <laughs> it, it's really hard to be a collector Whoa. here. That's tough. Man. That's heartbreak right there. Yeah. So that might be the problem with all this back and forth of, you know, pieces and and shipping costs are, are super high. All right. Well, maybe maybe it's just a pipe dream. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I still can't. I, that's still a heartbreak of a story, Igor. I can't believe that your your samples for the Leo series never arrived and went back to France. I mean, that's. I don't know how the majority of your deals have been, but most of mine, you know, when I'm working with a with a company, it's a fairly decent compensation. But the majority of the payment is coming in in toys or you know samples. Yeah, on, on the Leo's case, uh, I got paid, and I was gonna get five pieces. So I still got paid. So okay. five pieces is not like a bunch of them, but I just wanted something to put on my collection and you know give to my parents or something like that. <laughs> and I was even thinking about buying one so I could at least see for myself how it looks oh, like. You know? Yeah, we had to buy your own toy. That's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. Man. All right, we need to help Igor out, Gary. <laughs> we need to. <laughs> figure some way to we'll have a giveaway of one of his toys and rig it so he wins yeah exactly <laughs> actually speaking of uh, giveaways we had we're starting to do one last week it was to help promote the glitter hippo indiegogo campaign they had going on and jordan had offered up a red resin glitter hippo and actually the sculptor of the glitter hippo was the one and only seriously silly k oh, so we awesome. had offered that up through an instagram contest and we had a whopping six contestants. Come on, Instagram. But since we only had six, Igor, why don't you go ahead and pick a number between one and six? Two. All right, let me look yeah. at the long list of contestants here. and I'm going to double check you because I'm worried that you're going to mess up. Nope. <laughs> Congratulations, Sprague73. You have won a red glitter hippo. Yay. Congrats. Whee! Thank you for those who entered. Now you know we 
your chances are good. <laughs> <laughs> we we meant well, but and hopefully it helped the campaign in some way. Uh, I mean, it wasn't that hard. I guess next time instead of doing a repost, <laughs> well, we were trying to do a repost to spread the news about the Indiegogo, but I guess next time, Gary, we know that we just need to do likes or comments. Keep it easy. <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> It's time to take a break and mention several of our amazing sponsors. For all your designer toy desires, we have two amazing stores for you. First, there's 3D Retro. 3D Retro has a beautiful brick-and-mortar location out there in Southern California to visit. But if you can't make it to the shop, be sure to visit them at 3DRetro.com. And also, there's StrangeCatToys.com has been a very loyal sponsor. Give them a look at StrangeCatToys.com. And for being a listener of the show, you'll receive 10% off your entire order by using promo code DOPE at checkout. And for all the latest and greatest in uh, designer toy news, be sure to follow and visit the wonderful toy blogs SpankyStokes.com and TheToyChronicle.com. The Toy Chronicle is also available via a very convenient and easy, cool new app to use. Just search The Toy Chronicle on the Apple App Store or Google Play. All right, let's get back to it. So we've been talking a lot about uh, customizing, and I'm just curious if you have, um, I mean, you've been doing it for a while, but is there a uh, favorite piece that you've done that kind of sticks to the top of your mind as for your, your personal favorite custom? Yeah, of course. My my favorite is the Death of Innocence. It's like the rocking horse dunny. I made a bunch of them in three inches, and I made one eight inch. I can say like it's my favorite piece. It's, it has like a a very good design, I think, and a very cool. It's an amazing you know, piece. Story behind yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize you had done three inch versions. I didn't realize that some of them were that small. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the first one was uh, it, it's a little bigger than three inch because of the base and everything, but it, it's based on a, a three inch dunny. Yeah, so just so talk for the like... listeners real quick. So it's essentially a, a customized dunny, and the legs are uh, a rocking horse, so it actually rocks, and it's it's an amazing piece, and it's and it's also painted up like a very decorative Dia de Muertos like a piece. Yeah, it it re- resembles like the skeleton of a, a horse. Yeah. Of, or a rocking horse, a child's rocking horse, just to, you know, symbolize the, the death of your child innocence. Yeah, I love that piece, Igor. It was a fantastic custom. And um, I would definitely, when I, people, I see your name, I still think of that custom. So I would definitely say that is probably mm-hmm. your hallmark piece. And actually, I think it was several months ago, maybe around October or November. Well, I think I saw maybe a couple toy blogs that there's rumors of this custom might be coming a production piece through Kid Robot, either in a, maybe a five inch or eight inch form. Is there any truth to that? Is that truth or urban myth? No, that's, that's true. Nice. Yeah. And it's going to be released this month. I believe in uh, Holy cow. February 16th. Yeah. And oh, wait, really? wait, yeah. that's almost I'm in two weeks excited. and we haven't seen any, any news about it. I don't understand. How come sometimes something gets leaked with 10 months to go and then there's something like your release that is two weeks away and honestly i haven't seen maybe i've missed it but i've not seen one image nothing regarding your so it's an eight inch death of innocence dunny yeah exactly i saw some stores like my plastic heart and others that are pre-ordering martian toys and pre-ordering based on what though 
Like, yeah, what I, I think Robot sent like a, a, a sheet of coming releases and they are pre-ordering, but they are using like the vector images and not the, the actual production pieces. Yeah, that's pretty common. No. Yeah. Gary, I think you're just in like a black hole. Oh, just just call me George. Why I not, think you, you know? just... Because, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're right, though. I mean, there, there really hasn't been as much discussion as you'd think there'd be, but I know that I think I've seen a few sites listed them for pre-order. But I don't go to web stores for my toy news. You know, like, I guess that's maybe how someone would have discovered this. Because I swear, I didn't see it on any of the toy blogs. I know I didn't see it on any social media anywhere. So for me, this is a complete shock to learn this piece is going to be dropping in two weeks. Like, that's... And I don't understand, like, how is something... I never understood how something could be put up for pre-order based on the vector images because we all know the vector images are a very poor example of what the, the 3d representation yeah. is. I mean, it's so much more impactful in a 3d form. And yeah, and I, I believe back when I saw the, the rumors of this becoming a production piece, Igor, they were showing examples of your custom piece as what the final might end up looking like. So I guess my question to you would be how similar is the final production piece to your custom, if that's what people are assuming the production piece is going to look like. Like it's the same concept I'd say, but it's kind of different because the, the custom that I did every, all uh, facial features were painted like the cheeks and the eyes and the nose and everything. And because I'm not very, very good at software, let's say, but for the production piece, I wanted to improve it a little. So I asked Kid Robot if I could make every feature like the rib cage and everything sculpted. Mm -hmm. And since there was like an all new project with every everything made from scratch, they said, well, yeah, you can go ahead and do whatever you want. So the actual production pieces has all the features sculpted and also the wood grain and wood veins are all sculpted because I thought it was going to be kind of hard to get a perfect alignment of all the, the veins. So we sure. opted to, to have them all sculpted and with a little weathering to accentuate everything and all the features. So that's basically the the main difference, let's say. But yeah, it's it's very similar. It's like the same color scheme from the Dia de los Muertos version that I made. It sounds amazing, Igor. I mean, I really want to see what the full reveal is finally. I mean, that sounds really incredible. Yeah, yeah well, I got Gary, my samples... Yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, so we were talking while we were, you had mentioned some uh, some different toy stores and put it up on pre-order, so I started looking around, and my plastic cart does have it up for pre-order, um, and they have both the vectors, but they also have an actual photo of the product, and I see exactly what you're referring to, Igor, mm -hmm. that, like, it, it is a lot more sculpted, like, the, the eyes and the sockets are indented, and there's indents on the nose and like the wood grain on the face is actually like carved into it so um but it looks awesome so yeah if anyone listening wants to go check out a preview of what the piece actually is going to look like uh at least my plastic heart has an actual example of it on their pre-order listing awesome i haven't seen that before <laughs> that's new to me now hold hold up Teresa. we can't be my plastic heart is not a sponsor we gotta let's see if strange cat toys okay we'll be good first I know. <laughs> no. Oh, goodness. I love you, Vin. You're going to cut that, Gary, aren't you? 
Gary doesn't love you, but I do. Oh, come on now. I love Vin. But he's not a paying sponsor. I felt like, you know, maybe we should have a sponsor showed on the pre-order site, but none of them did. So good on Vin. He beat him to the punch. You get a free promo, My Plastic Heart. But no, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. You know, that's actually, um, you know, one of the things we were talking about last episode was about production companies. One of the things we were talking a lot about is representation of that artist being seen fully when it's produced. So, you know, it's interesting to hear that you wanted to take liberties and instead of doing a pure paint application, wanted to try out something more sculpted. So it's really interesting to hear from you that that was an intentional decision and something you wanted to see have done. It's cool to see like you having that vision and wanting to take it in that direction. So that's something you may not have wanted to do from a customizing perspective, but in a production piece would want to see it built that way. So. Yeah, and it's actually the the story behind the this particular rocking horse Danny is uh, I sent project file to Frank Kozik. I don't remember, but I think it was like two years ago or something. And but it was for a, made for a three inch release, and it was kind of similar to the custom with everything just painted. And when he got in touch with me asking if I wanted to, of course I won, but. If I wanted, was interested in making a, a, an eight-inch version of it, then I asked if I could make a, a sculpted piece with, with the, the facial features and everything sculpted. And it was a lot harder because I had to kind of redesign everything that was already sent to him. But I, I thought it was, you know, worth do everything because I thought it would look better. And I think it looks better. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. No, I'm looking at the the, the final production photos on yeah. my plastic heart now, and it is beautiful, Igor. I mean, it's gorgeous. It's really well done. I really love this piece, and it's I actually love the custom. So this is saying a lot that I like this one actually a lot more. And I'm actually sort of surprised too because I think a lot of us were probably going to assume it was kind of like your custom. So I'm curious to know as as an artist, like how frustrating <laughs> is it frustrating for you knowing that so many people thought. The production piece was going to end up looking like the custom, but this entire time you knew there were sculpted elements and it was going to be even better, but you weren't able to tell them that? Yeah, a little bit. Not not so frustrated, but kind of, I don't know, maybe afraid to disappoint someone that thought, especially someone that got it at pre-order and thought was going to get something and then is getting something different. And I think that's kind of the danger of leaking something that it's not the actual production piece. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I remember the, the leaks showed the, the image of the original custom, but the actual production, it's it's the same thing, you, you know what I'm saying? But it's not the same because it has yeah. sculpture, you know? So. All right. Yeah, no, definitely. Congratulations. As I say, that's I think that's the tricky part about pre-orders and why I always struggle with jumping on board that early because one to your point like vectors really never do stuff justice it's mm-hmm. it, a vector is really just meant to be a you know a, a, a quick visual not like a final product representation so no matter what a piece is always going to be better than the vector it's just it's just the, you know how it works so i think i personally have a really hard time visualizing the final piece based off a vector so I think that's the tricky thing. I mean, but pre-orders are becoming a thing. I know it's just more common these days, but I think that's the struggle with them is that you you never really get the full picture or full understanding until right up before launch when they're actually releasing the true shots of the product. 
Yeah, I, I got I my samples this this week, Monday, and you know I'm super happy. And there are gonna be three different colorways. This one, the the Dia de los Muertos, is one of them. But there are other two. There are uh, there is a white version and a red version, and I got all three. And it's incredible to see them actually rocking. And you know I'm super happy. That's that's cool. Awesome. I love hearing that, Ira, because you've been working so hard as a customizer in this industry. I mean, you've, you've had production pieces before for sure, but I think this one is your staple piece. I mean, it's your hallmark and, and it turned out incredible and I'm so happy for you. It, you're so deserving. It turned out really good. I haven't bought an eight inch in, I don't know how many years, but I'm going to saddle up and get this. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> so you mentioned these are dropping on February 18th. 16th. 16th. Okay. Friday. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned there's going to be three colorways. I assume one is going to be, Kid Robot exclusive, and then the one that's up for pre-order, that's obviously the, the retailer version. And then the third one, I don't know. Do you know when, are these all going to release around around the same time? Mm, I'm not sure. I, I What I know is that uh, the red version is uh, Kid Robot exclusive, okay. and there is a white version that it's, it's exclusive to some uh, selected retailers and then the Dia de los Muertos that it's the general release. Okay, sounds cool. Well, so, okay, so that's a couple weeks out. Let's talk about your more recent one, the Wild Ones. Yeah. So that Dunny series is dropping this coming Friday. Uh, what's yeah. the date? February 9th. 9th. Yeah. How did that come about? I assume Frank Kozik or someone within Kimberlobot contacts you and were you told up front what the theme of the Dunny series was going to be or do you, does that come later? Yeah, Frank sent me an email, I think, in November of last year, in, no, in 2016, and asking if I wanted to be, to join a, a multi-artist series. But I think he didn't mention the the theme of the 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 series right away. But I told him that I was going going to DesignerCon some weeks later. So I met him there and we talked a little. And then he told me about the theme and who was in the series and what I could do and everything. So I knew up front what what the theme was. So when I got back to Brazil, then I started to brainstorm and design everything. So I, I knew it was based on wild animals or actually not animals, but the theme was wildlife. So he said, you can interpret any way you want it. Okay. Are you allowed to then coordinate with the other artists since he mentioned them to you? Do the artists, do you guys all talk and talk over what designs you might be doing? Or is it just individually based? You designed your two or three and then that's it. And you kind of find out what everyone else's is later. Well, uh, since he told me who was in the series, like he said, well, Squink is and... John is and was another artist that they I don't know why Kronk was chosen later but anyway I got in touch with Squink and with John because I thought if they didn't want me to contact them they wouldn't tell me who was in the series you know so I got in touch with Squink and we talk almost every day about anything but I showed him my design my sketches and everything and he did the same so it was really cool to you know work together and brainstorm together and get some feedback from his pieces and give some feedback you know 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. That sounds yeah, great. Yeah, that's cool. And you mentioned Squink. Can you put in a good word for us? Because I tried to get him on. I can't get him to come on. And I know he's a you know, he's, he's a good emailer. He's a, very good on social media, but he doesn't want to come on the podcast. Yeah, I know. He's awesome. And he, he is. And the listeners want to hear from him. <laughs> get him on. Yeah. Come on. Please. Yeah. If he's fine. Yeah, I told him. Yeah. I speak just, Portuguese. My English, I have a lot of accent. Why can't he, you know, <laughs> join you? <laughs> Yeah, and you sound great. Yeah, get, put in a good word for us so you can get them on. But it was interesting to me that you said that you got to work in brainstorming. So you, your desire, was it your choice to intentionally come up with new designs for the series versus trying to utilize an old custom design you had done? Yeah, uh, when I, I started to think about what I would do to with my pieces, I, I had an idea. When I was on my plane back to Brazil, I, I had a lot of time to think for myself and try to come up with something. And at first I tried to, I thought about making three different animals and I, I thought about having like a lion to represent army and a blowfish to represent navy and an eagle to represent the air force. But since Frank told me that I could have only one sculpted piece, I thought that it was gonna be kind of hard to have all these details in one piece and not on the others, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, totally. Uh, so how did you make that decision? Because I know I, had, I came across the same thing when I was designing for the DTA series. When you're told that you can only have one new head sculpt or, you know, accessory or whatever, like how did you decide which one of your designs was going to get the, the original sculpt and which one was just going to get the straight up paint treatment? I don't know why I decided to have the peak. Maybe because it would look kind of weird without the... You know the nose and the ears i don't know but it was like the first i sketched it, it looked cool so i said well the other two must have only paint yeah yeah that makes sense no that makes sense I, you know i i like that you know i think it's a common thing but i always i think it's fun sometimes when you have a mixed artist series or even not but um when the characters relate in some way so i think it's fun that you chose to try to create three characters that kind of theme together. Um, and usually I think there's some theme mostly to, to different artist pieces, but um, it's fun that you kind of thought through that and designed it in that way. So Yeah, and it, it's like it's not wrong or right because like Squink made three different and separate designs and they are all awesome. And mm-hmm. no, I think it's just like a different point of view. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's interesting how some choose to create a set, like a three-piece set, and others choose to just... I mean, Squinks are still a set in a way because they all are his aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, but, sure. Yeah, so it, it's just interesting to see how different artists approach it. And I think it's it's cool, too, that, you know, instead of you just simply going back to designs you had done historically, that you really wanted to think through something new and different to use. So, yeah, it's cool. Well, but I, I think... If Kid Robot wanted something that I had made in the past, they would just ask, well, adapt this to a production piece, you know? So since they gave me complete creative freedom. Do you plan to do AP releases? Yeah, yeah. I'll keep like one of each for me and maybe give one for my parents or something like that, but um, I'll probably sell the rest. I I don't know yet what I'm going to do, maybe offer a print or something with them. Cool. Just, yeah, I was, just sign I was, it and call it done. 
No, yeah. Gary. I, I was thinking about <laughs> stripping off one of them and making like a unicorn with a different color application. Like I was thinking about an all black with uh, golden accents. I think it would look pretty cool. Or but I don't know, maybe be a one off or something. Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. Okay, so like the whole just sign it thing, Gary. No, that's just. I just feel like that's just kind of eh, like underwhelming. Like I, I think... well, yeah, but not everyone has the time to to devote to making amazing, awesome AP release. I mean, sometimes you have to wait a few months or a couple of years before you can actually do something really amazing with it. But I, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, the artists also want to capitalize on the hype and the excitement of the original release. And at some point, if they don't have time to do an amazing AP, I see nothing wrong with just signing and numbering them. I think yeah, but I mean, it's funny that I, you mentioned I get what you're it. Saying. I, no, I get that artists are busy. I just I feel like I would rather them take a little more time to do a l something cool, you know, like the idea of a print or you know, like like Squink, for example. I mean, he's got his stuff together. He's already working on the APs for his wild ones. Like yeah, that's his full time. The that's his full time yeah, job, though. Like, OK, that's customizing true. is his full time job. It's not, you know, someone like me. Family, kids, full-time day job, time suck of a podcast. And then <laughs> I had to somehow find time to do personal art, other things, designing toys, and then, you know, the AP. So, unfortunately, in my case, I, I feel like I've missed the window to sell my five-point dunnies in the, the DTA dunny series because they got lost in the mail. So, for like, I think like three or four months after the release – they were just, we didn't have them. They, they got sent to the wrong address and it took a long time to, I guess, track them down and get them resent out to the artists. And then, uh, so I still have them, but it's nine months, 10 months later. I feel like, I don't okay. know. I, I feel like it's, the time's been missed. It's a long time. Nah. Now other Dunny series are coming out. Wild ones. You're going to have eight artists releasing their APs. I'm not going to try to squeeze my APs and in between their releases. And then, then another series. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's just kind of like, at this point, I would rather just number them, sign them, and put them up cheaper than spend a month making them cooler for more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> That's my yeah, struggle, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I have the same problem with my Geek Force, Denise from the Art of War series. I still have them. I haven't sold any of the of oh, my APs. Because actually the original project I sent was gonna have a Jedi robe on the uh, sculpted on the actual dunny, and I think maybe because it was gonna get too expensive to make a special mold and everything, they they removed the the robe and made like a simple body with only paint applications. But I wanted to sculpt in each of my artist proofs uh, a Jedi robe but I tried to make a prototype and took forever and I, I guess I missed the window oh man I can relate to that you didn't miss the window I say still do it finish it do what you envisioned and put it out there people yeah, still I made it. one <laughs> it sounds awesome it does sound awesome but I, I can totally relate to what you're saying Igor because I you know even the the APs that I have currently going on it's just like what I have in mind is a real, I even shared them with Teresa, like what I have in mind, it's, it's, it's a cool idea and I think it would be an amazing AP set, but the time to do it would be extensive and 
you know, my mind has already kind of moved on to other projects. So the APs just kind of get, keep on getting pushed back. I know. But you, from a collector standpoint, Gary, I would much, much rather wait a long time for a really cool AP from an artist I really like. Like, I would rather wait for that than them to just say, I don't have time. I'll just go ahead and sign it. Like, yeah. And that's fine, Pete. Like, hey, if that's what the artist wants to do, I get it. No problem. But if you have a vision for something really cool, I'd rather you take the time and do it, even if it means it doesn't come out till two years after the release actually came. Because it's going to make it more unique and something that, like, I'm willing to wait for. So, like, the idea of, like, you making those custom hot rods or, Igor, you talking about stripping stuff down or adding more details or recustomizing it, like, that sounds completely awesome. Like, that sounds so cool. Even your Geek Force, like, adding the cape sculpt, like, they just sound, like, I love the idea of artists wanting to do more like that. Like, I would totally wait and wait for that to come and release, even if it was super late. Super late in your all's eyes, though. Like four years. <laughs> sure. Let's commit, Igor. Four. I'll say that four or five points this year. I don't know if I'll have a booth, but maybe I'll be walking around. I will bring hand painted APs of Logan and a, the at least the five point APs of the Dunnies. I'll commit to yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. Now you Do have it, to commit. To, you have to commit on your end, Igor. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll try to do something with my wild ones first, I think, because they are coming, you know. I'll try to do something with my Geek Force, it's true. (laughs) All right, so uh, you know what? It sounds like George is home. Let's add him to the call. Cool. Is this the first time we've ever done this, Gary? Bring someone in, like, at the end of our call? Uh, It is. I don't think we've ever done this. Well, let's see if it works first. We're breaking ground. What up? What up, George? George gets far. Pulling some Hello. long hours this week, huh? Uh yeah, dude. It's been it's been pretty nuts. A lot of overtime though, so that's good. That's good. Well, George, we got uh, Igor Ventura on the phone. Igor, hello. Hello, man. How are you doing? Good to meet you. Yeah, likewise. Now it's uh it's well past midnight for him, so I think we're about to wrap up the show actually. So thanks for joining, Igor. But we have a game. I have developed a Dunny trivia game for tonight. You guys want to play that? Yeah. Okay. So what, what we did is we reached out to the Marsham Toy Hour group on Facebook. It's called The Stomping Ground. Uh, if that's something you want to get into, it's called The Marsham Toy Hour. Just search out on Facebook and join the group. And so what I did is I posed a question is we're going to have a pretty awesome prize to give away this week. And what I wanted to do is – have each of you play on behalf of a listener. Oh, that's so sad. Did you wait for me to play this just so that <laughs> someone can lose? You know I said <laughs> trivia. I, I actually did put a little disclaimer on there saying that if they ended up with George, we uh, apologize in advance. <laughs> say, is, is Jess there, George? Do you have your cheater by your side? No, she's still at work. Oh, it's too bad. Well, anyways, before we started recording tonight, I went on the stomping ground. I, I numbered all of the potential contestants, 1 through 19. And so why don't you, each of you, just pick a number. Igor, why don't you go first? Pick a number, 1 through 19. 17. You're playing for Sarah Booze. Cool. I know her. <laughs> all right, uh, Teresa, what number do you want? Three. Three. You will be playing for... 
Kyle Kerwan. Oh, what a coincidence. Husband and oh wife. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's George, crazy. George, what number do you want? Between 1 and 19. All right, I'm sorry, number 10, but you get stuck with me. <laughs> Avri Rosenzee. V. Ah, Avri. Okay. So you guys are going to be playing on behalf of all the three listeners I just mentioned. Uh, the awesome prize that was given to us to give away by the Urban Mile Toy Group. So thank you very much for giving us the prize. What the prize is, it is a handmade custom made by the awesome sculptor uh, and painter Cassia Harris. You can search her on Facebook called Monster Mind Sculpts. Uh, what we're going to be giving away is her 2.5 inch handmade resin piece to, called the Weeby. It's awesome. It's signed and numbered on the bottom, number three of four. These retail for about $150, so it's a good prize. And I'm kind of jealous because I've been holding on to her the past week, and I, I want to keep it for myself. That's a sweet prize, and we were joking because you, you, you wrote in the post, like, win an awesome prize. And I was like, George, watch them think it's like a pennant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't do no, that to this- our listeners. No, this actually really is a sweet prize, and her stuff is is really well made. I actually have not a ch- had a chance to own any of her pieces yet, so I'm jealous too. And again, we're sorry, Avery, because you do not stand a chance at winning this. No, you're guess- definitely going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're playing tonight is Dunny Trivia. I have compiled a list of 13 questions. You guys will and I'll try to answer them. They're multiple choice, true and false. Uh, you'll get one point for each correct answer. You're competing against each other. I want to thank um, allvinyls.com. I got a lot of my uh, research done there. Anyone who's not familiar, allvinyls.com. It's a, a great library of a lot of toys, but as far as dunnies go, they have every dunny ever produced there. And I also got a lot of my information from the, the Kid Robot blogs too. So uh, a lot of hours were spent trying to figure out these 13 questions. I probably didn't know these questions, so... They're, they're toughies, so let's see how you guys do. All right, wait, Gary, how, how are we playing this? Is it like rotating through? You're always such a stickler for the rules. Yes, so I'll just, there's no shouting out of answers here. It's a simple, we'll, I will, we'll rotate so you guys aren't playing off of each other too much. So let's just play cool. it by ear and we'll see how it goes. So All right, quest- I got to say, I'm, I'm nervous. I, don't, yeah. I feel like there's a lot riding on this game this time. <laughs> I know, for someone else, is like... So here's the the thing. Igor and Teresa, you're playing for a married couple, so if either one of them win, they win. And then... I guess that's true. Then there's... Well, it's George. It's it's George. Come on. Hey, it's Dunnies, though. You can do it, it, George. It is true. You know what, George? I think you stand a really good chance, because I've dug back in the history, so... You might stand a better chance than say Teresa if she's not too familiar with the, you know, going way back when. So we'll see. Yeah, I bet I remember as much as she does. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Right, so question number one: Dunnies were first produced in what year? A. Two thousand two. B. Two thousand three. C. Two thousand four. Or D. Two thousand five. Igor, you want to go first? Yeah, C. Okay. Teresa. Not to piggyback, but C. Okay. George. I don't know what C was, but I think, I'm pretty sure it was 2004 uh, was the date. Okay. But you know what? Is, is that what C was? C was 2004. All right. I'm going to say B then. I'll go 2003 just to say something different. Oh, it was 2004. 
Come on, George. You should have stuck with your guns. No, I knew it. It was because it was the same year that I did my first Comic-Con because it was the same year that the Gwyns came out. I actually knew that answer. All right. So question. You guys each got one point, except for George. Question number two. Where was the first Dunny released? A, New York Toy Fair. B, Hong Kong Toy Con. C, San Diego Comic-Con. Or D, none of the above. Let's go George this time. Uh, I'm... I'm going to go none of the above. Okay. Let's go, Teresa. Um, man, you really did go back because I do not know my Dunny history. I'm going to say San Diego Comic-Con. Okay. Igor. No, it's B. Hong Kong, Pai Kong. Yep. It was actually called the Plug-In Hollywood. It was uh, given away at the 2004 Hong Kong Toy Con. These were three-inch freebies that came in silver, red, and black, and it was an undisclosed uh, amount made. So oh. it's, it's one of the rarest and probably most sought after pe- uh, pieces for people's collections. So that's what those 10th anniversary ones were based off of. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Man, Igor, you're, you got all the knowledge. Yeah, I have all three of them. <laughs> oh, we got a oh cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so question three. Which artist designed the first single artist Dunny series? Was it A, Hucky? B, David Horvath, C, Dalek, or D, Tristan Eaton? Gary, who do you want to go first? Uh, Teresa this time. Okay. I'm going to go, man, this is hard. I, I, I know it's not Huck G and watch it be, but I'm pretty sure that that's not it. I'm going to, I'm going to go D, Tristan Eaton. Okay. Uh, Igor, next. B. Okay. George. I'm going to say David Horvath. I don't know what letter it was. B. All right. George and Igor, you both got it right. It was David Horvath's Two-Faced Dunny Series 1. It was released in 2004, and it was a series of five figures. Man, this is tough. (laughs) At least I knew the one that I knew for sure wasn't, because I knew that came later. At least George was on the board. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. I knew that first one. I just didn't know. I didn't know we were. Yeah. I didn't know we were building points like this. I thought we were just like only one person would get it right. You, like did, if, you did know it. You said you said straight out. I don't remember which ones you which ones you said, but it was two thousand four. So you know what? I, I'm going to give it to you because you did I, know it. You I just that answer. You just chose a different one for the sake of the game, but you actually did know it. Give me that point. I'll give it to you. Yes. All right. Question four. four. Which of these artists did not play a part in the first multi-artist series entitled Series 1, which was produced in 2004? Which of these artists was not in the first multi-artist series? A, Frank Kozik. B, David Horvath. C, Superdu. D, Tristan Eaton. Or E, Huggy. Let's go George first. I'm going to go with Huck. Okay. Teresa? God, this game is not made for me. Um, I'm going to go with the one I didn't recognize. Super or something? Super Doom. I'll Can go Super Doom. Okay, you're going with C. And Igor, who do you say? David Horvath. B. It was B, David Horvath. Correct. Man. Man, you've gotten every single one correct, Igor. You are a... Uh, <laughs> a fire. You're a Dunny Savant. Yeah, I love Dunny. <laughs> Out of all the contestants, which one of us collects Dunny? 
And uh, all right, question five: True or false? The dunny has been produced in three inch, four inch, five inch, eight inch, and twenty inch sizes. Let's go. You know what, Igor? You're running away with it, so I'm going to make you go last for a while. Let's go, George first. I'll make him go first, so we can copy his answer. Hell no. Um, <laughs> let me see. I don't know about the four inch one. Is the only one that threw me off when you said it. So I'm gonna. But why else would you put this in here? I'm going to go false anyway. I'm going to go false. Okay. Teresa. Wait, I missed it. So what is the question? <laughs> is it true or false? It's true or false. And the okay. dunny has been produced in three inch, four inch, five inch, eight inch, and 20 inch sizes. True or false? Yeah. I'm going to, I got to go false because I'm pretty, pretty sure a four inch doesn't exist. Okay. Igor. Yeah, False. You all got it wrong. It's true. <gasps> four inch? Yep, four inch. Tristan Eaton. He's, the only, he's the only one that's designed it. Does it exist? Or is it just in a in his brain? It was 2013. He did a black, red, and blue edition in four inch size. Wow. <gasps> no idea. See that, Igor? You're not so hot after all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I never saw them. Four inch. <laughs> All right, so question six. You were six. right, George. He was putting it in there just to throw us for a loop. We should have known. <laughs> question six. This is a two-part question. In which series was the first golden ticket issued, and what was the prize of that golden ticket? Let's go, Teresa. <sighs> Do you know what a golden ticket is, Teresa? Yes. So a golden ticket, they don't do anymore, but it was where you'd open, I believe, a three-inch dunny, and you'd have a golden ticket, which would get you a free eight-inch dunny. Correct. The correct? Yep. Well done. So what, I, se- what series was it, and what was the prize of the first golden ticket? I'm going to – I'm probably going to hmm, – I'm going to say series three and the Tato dunnies. Okay. Uh, Igor. I think it was the LA series and was the Miss Bunny Pink by Jolette Better. Okay. George. Yeah, I, I got this one wrong. I, I don't, I have no idea. I couldn't even tell you a name of, of any of the golden ticket dunnies. Just take a, take a swing at the fences, George. Just say something. <laughs> uh, uh, what? Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know the name of a series of Dunny. Um, let's say Series 5, and it was a Tristan Eaton specialty. <laughs> <laughs> it, Igor, you had it right. It was the uh, the L.A. Dunny Series 2005, and the Joe Ledbetter Ms. Bunny was the golden ticket at 400 pieces. Man. I tried. At least I at least I generally knew something. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> don't, don't feel bad because full transparency, I didn't know the answer to probably 80% of these before I did the research. I, I certainly didn't know the one that you or Igor just got right. But so, yeah, these are tough. Did I get the series oh. number right? Was it series yeah, three? You, you, you had everything correct. You were just one year behind the actual the LA series. Okay, well, I feel a little better then. So, Igor, you're running away with this. You got two points on that. Yeah, Sarah's going to win. <laughs> I think so. 
All right, question seven. Who has designed the most dunnies? A, Huggy, B, Frank Kozik, C, Tristan Eaton, D, Sket One. George. I'm, uh, I've, I don't have any idea, so I'm going to just say Huck. Okay. Teresa. That's what I was going to say. I'm going Huck, too. Going Huck? Okay. Igor. Yeah, Huck as well. You all get that correct. Whee! I knew he had a ton. He's done a ton. I've done, and you got to count colorways, too, so it, it just it gets even more ridiculous, too, when you get into colorways. So question eight. Who designed the Build-A-Dunny for the 2011 Dunny series? And Teresa, do you know what a Build-A-Dunny is? So I believe it's the only one that they ever did, but it was where, um, and I don't know if it came with a case or individual blind boxes, but you'd get a piece of a Dunny and the goal would be to, so it was like a skeleton dunny with a little pink heart in the middle. And you'd collect like a left rib and a right rib and the head and the arm and the leg and the heart and all that. And you could build a dunny out of it. Okay. Was it a case thing, Gary? Or a blind box thing? No. Nope. How'd you get nope. the No, it was, it was blind this. box. I don't remember exactly. Maybe we should ask Igor. Each blind box came with a piece. And the all pieces had the same ratio except the heart. And the heart was like the the chase piece. But every blind box came with a piece. So it was not guaranteed if you bought a case, you would get No, and it no. didn't together well at all without the heart. So oh. it was a really stupid thing to put a chase piece in a Build-A-Figure. <laughs> <laughs> so who designed it? Is it A, Sket 1, B, Maddle, Model, uh, C, Kronk, or D, Tato? George? Oh, man. You know I don't know names of anybody. <laughs> oh, so glad you showed up. Crap. I hate that you waited for me for this game. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Tato. Okay. Teresa? Sorry, George. I know it's not Tato. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what were the, the the first three? Sorry. A, Sket 1, B, Metal, C, Kronk, D Tato. I'm gonna go Kronk. Okay. Igor, who do you say? Yeah, it's Kronk. <laughs> this is such a can we just stop playing now? He's 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 won. <laughs> can I say something? <laughs> yeah. I was right. The the four inch dunny that is said. Yeah. It's actually four feet dunny that oh, Kristen Eaton made. It's not four four inches. <laughs> so you got I, it wrong. Gary Ham. We all get a point. We all get a point. You know what I did? Igor, I like that you fact-checked him. We all get a million <laughs> points. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know the difference between inch mark and foot mark. Oh, I'm a freaking idiot. Oh, all right, thanks, Igor. So we all get a... Igor, you we have gotten a... every single question correct. You all get a point because that was false, or true, or false. So right. can we can can I just say that this whole build a dunny thing needs to happen again? I love the concept. Oh, they yeah. need to bring it back. Oh, so much fun! Yeah, yeah. I think that's they were a lot of fun looking for the golden tickets and the build a dunny pieces, and I think it helps sell cases. It would be nice to see them to get back to sort of those fun elements for sure. Um, let's move on. So, question nine: Who designed the first eight-inch dunny? A. Tato, B. Frank Kozik, C. Tristan Eaton. Or D, David Horvath? Let's go 
Teresa on this one. And take a swing and say David Horvath and his Aggie. Okay. George? Or no, not the, not the Aggie. Maybe a different one, but David Horvath. Okay. I, I actually, I think this one's Tato. I'm going to say Tato. Okay. And Igor? I say it's David Horvath. According to the Kid Robot blog, it was Tristan Eaton with his voodoo dunny. Oh, really? Although what you said, the David Horvath was in the same year, so I guess there's a chance it could be wrong. But I'm going off of the Kid Robot blog, and they said it was a Tristan Eaton voodoo dunny design. It took nine (laughs) questions for him to get one wrong, and I'm sure he's going to beat himself up over it, too. (laughs) Question. Sounds like a technicality, too. Mm, I don't know. Was it a production or a custom? Production. A true Dunny fan would have known that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Question five. The artist of the first five-inch Dunny was A, Shafa, B, Dolly Omlong, C, Secure D, or D, 12 Dot? George. That wasn't even that long ago. No. I don't even know half the words you just said, though. <laughs> what? Not one real name in that entire list. Can you, can you read me those names again so I know who's A, B, C, D? A, Shifa. B, Dolly Oblong. C, Secure D. D, 12 Dot. I don't know who any of those are except I've heard of Dolly Oblong, so I'll say that one. Okay. Teresa. Gary, I just like, I'd like you to know that you called this question number five. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Dilly I don't love you for it. <laughs> but the, the answer is, I believe, C, Secure D. Igor. C. Correct. C, Secure D. But you were close, George. Dolly, I think, was second. All right. Question 11. How many living artists have designed a production 20-inch dunny? The closest wins. So, Teresa, what's your guess? I'm guessing how many living artists have made a 20-inch production dunny? Correct. And by living, I basically, we're just not counting Warhol because he didn't actually design it. And who knows if that's what he would have actually designed if he was living. Okay. Okay. Um, Ten. Okay. George? Four. Only four 20-inch dunnies, George? I don't know. Closest without going over? (laughs) (laughs) Igor. I think 13. Oh, my God. You guys didn't stand a chance. It's 13. (laughs) Igor, you are like a dunny super fan. That's crazy. I was (laughs) close-ish. All right. Question 12. Truth or urban myth? Dunny Series 2 had six... Hand-painted dunnies included with the cases. Let's go, George. I've never even heard that, man. Um, That sounds cool. Let's say true. Okay. Teresa. I'm going to say urban myth. Okay. Mr. Know-it-all. It's true, but they were never found, so... I don't know, but they were confirmed. I think Nick Curry's uh, interviewed some of the artists, and they said they made it. So 
Let's say true. So it was true. There were six yeah. artists that did hand paint some dunnies that were supposedly included in some of the cases. But what you said, Igor, is correct. They were never shown or found that we know of. But there was Dr. Revolt did one, Sket one, Upso, Cycle, Queen, Andrea, and Tatum. Wow. You know what I bet it is? There's like people I know back in the day that would buy cases and keep them sealed. And, like, still have them sealed in their closets and storage units. Could be. <laughs> I bet you they're just chilling in there. Or people who just don't, you know, maybe right? just bought one at random. They weren't real collectors. They don't know what they had. And this was also before Instagram and all the other stuff. So it wasn't like you would just instantly show what you got. So Yeah, yeah they should do that again. That would be really it's, fun to find. It's a great idea. I totally think right? they should do it again. All right, last question. Which one of these was not a production dunny by Sket1? A, Scatella, B, Mayo, C, Sketchup, D, Relish, or E, Sketracha? Who's going? Let's go, Teresa. Nutella. A. Okay. George. I would also say Nutella. It's name brand. Okay. Igor? Yeah, A as well. All right, that was a landslide. You all got that correct, and Igor, you... I don't know, 14, 15 points, somewhere in there. So who are you playing for? Sarah Booth? <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Yay, congratulations, Sarah. Congrats, Sarah. <laughs> Can I what I'm gonna I'm gonna say that because I'm such a terrible player at these things, that I'm gonna give a glitter hippo to my contestant. <laughs> that was not fair. That's very gracious of you, George. If you wanna get his address, I will donate the Glitter Hippo from the Glitter Hippo uh, Indiegogo campaign. Oh, that's awesome of you. So, uh, um, Avery, Sarah. Uh, but what about Kyle? Kyle, Kyle suck. Yeah, suck it, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Kyle. I love you. We'll have we'll have Kyle on soon too. We got to talk to him about his toy career. So, um, for sure. So that was the game. I had a tiebreaker. I don't think we're gonna have to use it. So I'll save it for trivia, for trivia later. Nice. Cool. Good, good game, Gary. That was fun, even though I didn't except, know that much. Except for I got called out. Which is, which is <laughs> Sorry. True. You had to. That's funny because I got all my information pretty much from allvinyls.com, and there it is. I look at it now, and it's clear as day, four-foot dunnies. <laughs> uh, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be fun without you around, Gary, mixing up inches and feet. <laughs> so, someone's got to play the show, idiot. That's me. That's my role. Okay, well, let's wrap it up. It's almost 1 a.m. for you, Igor. I'm sorry for keeping you up so late. I know it's uh, – luckily it's the weekend. You probably don't work in the morning. But uh, yeah. thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. and I had a lot of fun. All right. Well, why don't you take a brief moment and just let all the listeners know where they can find you, Igor? Well, they can find me as Igor Ventura on Instagram and Facebook. And they can also check some of my work at redmutuka.com. And all the guys from Red Move are there, and just click on my name. All right, sounds good, and congratulations on the wild ones and your uh, upcoming uh, Death of Innocence. Looking forward to them. Yeah, cool. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. All right, Uh, Teresa. Yeah, Teresa Hawkins. Uh, If you want to find me, check me out on Instagram. Username is tmhawk24. George, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at double g toys. Okay. I can't wait to listen to this episode and, and meet Igor officially. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, and I am uh, Gary Ham. You can follow me, uh, Gary Ham, on Instagram or superham.com. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.